0: What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. Uh, today's episode is with the Kaz, owner of Raid Team Co. Uh, he joins me in talking about his story, his path, uh, which has been significantly different uh, than others we've talked to so far on the show. Uh, we cover a lot of ground, from his childhood to his time in jail, uh, time through the Marine Corps, and into the civilian world. Uh, we tackle some very heavy topics, including robbery, dissociation, and suicide. Uh, it's heavy like I said, but he provides a lot of great insight into identifying risky behaviors and engaging with people to ensure that they're straight, healthy and doing well. Uh, At the end of the day, the conversation ends with checking on your homies, as Kaz would say. Uh, For those of you new to the show, uh, the structure is very much oriented uh, in a way that we tell stories. So we spend time getting to know folks on the other end and then slowly build into their lessons learned and knowledge. So with that being said, Kaz, man, once again, uh, I appreciate your time, your straight talk and uh, enough chit chat. Let's roll it. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? I hope you're all having a great day. I'm sitting down with Mr. Kaz from Raid Team Co. If you guys are new to the show, this podcast focuses on telling stories. Uh, We get to know people, understand who they are, where they got, or how they got to where they're at, what they're doing, you know, struggles they faced, anything like that, really just to to share their stories, hopefully to relate to you guys in a way that makes you, uh, gets you excited about something, whether that's taking on a new challenge, overcoming what you're looking at. Um, maybe trying something new for the first time. So with that being said, I've got Kaz, like I said, and I'm super excited to talk because we've chatted a couple of times offline, kind of leading up to this. And, uh, you've got, you've got quite a story and quite a few things to share. And uh, a lot, I feel that I can learn from people listening can learn from, I know that you're super active online sharing, uh, really positive vibes. So Kaz, man, if you don't mind just starting with, uh, who you are
1: a little bit and, uh, I'll interrupt if that works. Awesome. Um, I'm Kaz, obviously, Uh, owner of Ray Team, have been since, uh, let's say, 2018. Um, I was a service member. I was in the Marine Corps for, man, at least a decade. Um, I was an infantryman with 2nd Battalion, 1st Marines, got to do some cool shit, got hurt, got out, and did a little bit of, uh, hmm, I don't even know how I would describe it. Some civilian work. That's what I'll say. Some (laughs) civilian work. Um, that wasn't, you know, it wasn't ideal, but it was what was paying the bills at the time. Um, and well, here we are, you know, um, I started working in the oil field, like right before I started the civilian work and, um, ended back up in the oil field because it was just, you know, I was tired of fucking living in Los Angeles and, I like really sullen places. So this, you know, this, this makes me feel good not being in like the hustle and bustle of the city. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: That's fair, man. So I know that you and I talked quite a bit, uh, you yeah. know, a couple of weeks ago about how you got into the Marine Corps and uh, and why you decided to go into the Marine Corps and what you were doing. Do you mind yeah. talking about, about that? Yeah, up absolutely,
1: man. Yeah. Um, so a younger me was very into crime and, I ended up, you know, hanging out with some guys. We committed a robbery, and I mean, the story of the robbery is like a fucking movie. It's it's <laughs> it's it's insane. Um, what's unique about the whole situation is I'd never been in trouble before. Um, I should have probably been in trouble a couple times, but I mean, I ran from the cops, obviously, so I didn't get arrested. Um, and it just it, it was like a. I was one of those kids that was, you know, volunteering at school during the day. And then I was selling drugs at night, you know, um, volunteering with with like the community and then like going to another community and like selling dope and gangbanging and shit. Um, And it all caught up to me, man. Uh, One of my buddies called me and was like, hey, you know, we can hit this score, this drug dealer. And I'm like, well, I've never done this before, but how much money are we going to get out of it? So my buddy explained to me, you know, we're get a couple thousand, whatever. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, so the the, the whole situation was kind of weird from the get go because it's kind of like the world was kind of telling me, like, whatever's in the universe that kind of tells you not to do certain shit was telling me, like, this is going to be a bad situation. Take your ass home. Yep. And I didn't listen to that. Um. So when we ended up going over to this guy's house and we knew another drug addict that was buying drugs from this guy ended up telling her, Hey, you know, we're about to rob this dude. If you can go in here and act like, you know, you're buying dope. And then as you're walking out, leave the door cracked. And then, you know, carry a conversation on with him while the doors open kind of cracked. And then we're just going to fucking bum rush in. Sure. Um, everything was like it, 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 the plan worked. Mm -hmm. Um, We ended up getting in there, you know, closing the door, beating the fuck out of this dude and obviously the person that was with him. um, Things got pretty fucking weird real quick. I wasn't used to it, but it was definitely like me getting my cherry popped into like actual fucking violence and crime. Um, So we're beating this fucking dude up, telling him to give us the fucking combination to the safe. And I mean, obviously, like almost in the movies, they say, you know, I don't know the combination to the safe. Well, they do know it. Um, Guy gets fucking beat up so bad, dude, that like he has like a second brain, like like head growing out of his fucking skull. Sure. And I'm looking down at this shit and I'm just like, holy fuck. Um, My buddy, obviously, I don't even know if he'd done it before the other guys that were with us. But they seem like they'd, they'd, like, committed some fucking, like, no shit, like, strong-arm robberies before. Right. Um, fast forwarding, fucking maybe, like, 20 minutes, dude. Just boom, 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 boom. And we all, like, stare at the door. And I'm, like, staring at them. Like, what the fuck are we supposed to do? Um. So, he's, like, go look at the door. So, I look at the door. And I look out the peephole. And there's, like, dude, at least 30 cops outside. And... At the time, I'm like, fuck, like, we're in an apartment building. Like, I I don't know where the fuck I'm going. Like, I just know how we came in and how we got out. Right. Um, So, you know, we're sitting here trying to stuff money in our pockets, stuff drugs and shit that we've robbed this dude for. And there was a sliding door in the living room. And there was like a little banister that you had to hop over. So me in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is the only way out. Like they're at the front door. I wasn't thinking to myself, like these motherfuckers are probably going to hop over, you know, this, this banister and like be on the back window. So I open up the door, I fucking, you know, hop out. And what's so crazy about the story, dude, is like, I had a, um, a bandana on my face and I had a fucking revolver in my hand mm-hmm. and I was running through this fucking apartment complex. And I, I saw the cops like running behind me. Like they, you know, I was fucking running. And, uh, what I didn't realize is that this, this apartment complex, the same way that you came in, was the same way that you went out. There was not an alternate. (laughs) Yeah. So I fucking ran in a fucking circle, dude. And, um, in the, like me growing up, I watched a lot of fucking movies, dude, Uh, just like everybody else has. And, um, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, okay, There's a pond, like, right over here. And in the movies, if you run in the water, the fucking dogs can't smell you. Hmm. So (laughs) I run over here to the fucking this pond. I take all my fucking clothes off. I got my phone in one hand, money in the other. I fucking ditched a gun somewhere. And I was actually calling this chick that I was talking to back in the day. And I'm like, hey, I need you to pick me up from Cedar Shore Apartments. She's like, what the fuck are you doing over there? I was like, don't worry about it. Just I'm going to be. You know somewhere near when you drive down the main road just fucking pick me up well that never happened yeah. um <laughs> the <laughs> fucking you know um i think it was uh it was flint town like flint township uh pd or some shit like no Genesee county pd um which is the police department in uh in, in flint um they're yelling and like hey if you don't fucking come out we're gonna send the dogs and shit like that me and my brain, I'm just like, the dogs can't fucking smell me. I'm good. Um, <laughs> these guys don't want to get fucking wet, whatever. So I remember at one point in time being so fucking exhausted that I like drank the water out of this fucking pond. And maybe a couple seconds later, all I heard was like, this fucking helicopter, dude. Like it was that fucking bad. So they <laughs> brought in the fucking helicopter and, um, I'm hearing this fucking helicopter's rotors. And then I start seeing the lights, you know, the spotlights. So the spotlight's like shining down in this fucking pond. I'm fucking naked, just got underwears and a cell phone in. So I'm fucking walking out of this fucking pond, like to the sound of their fucking voices. Because at this point, I'm just like, I'm fucked. Like, you know, nothing, nothing's good is going to come out of this. Um, So I get out and... The guys are cracking jokes you know i was a fat kid growing up so it's like this fucking guy just made us fucking run all this way he's got fucking boobs too look look at this <laughs> motherfucker so dude yeah. i was completely humiliated man sure um you know fast forward i ended up going to a juvenile facility um because of the crime obviously yeah and yeah. you
0: were you said you were what 15 when this went down
1: I was, I was 15. Um, and I think I was like six months into turning 16.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's crazy. So So juvenile facility. Sorry. I want to make sure I remember that. Right. Okay.
1: So there was like guys that were, um, they, I I think one dude was like 16 or 17 in a juvenile facility. And I think the technicality was like, they hadn't figured out what they were going to do with them. So they sent them, you know, he was still there. Um, But yeah, it was called Genesee Valley Regional Center, and that was like the juvie for you know kids. Um, You either were going home from that fucking place, or you were getting fucking shipped out. Like that was the only yeah that was the only place.
0: Man, that's crazy. So, man, I feel like I have a couple questions. So you you (laughs) you said you were you were you grew up in an area where you were working in the community quite a bit. So the area you grew up then was it was it pretty? I guess was it not very. Very heavy in crime then. And then you were no, going it to was, a- it was, was. okay. No,
1: it definitely was. Um there there's actually a fucking YouTube series called Flint, Flint Town, or some shit like that. And okay. like in that TV show is exactly where I was like raised. Um, my mom was like a, a positive pillar in the community, mm-hmm. and so she, you know, bought like three different houses. We lived in one, and then there were two other houses. One was for like uh she was working with battered women like domestic violence cases and stuff like that and then the house like next to that was actually um kind of like a resource house for kids and shit like that like in the backyard she got the whole fucking yard tilled and they were doing um some agriculture stuff and like she was showing them you know that you can self-sustain to a certain extent she was teaching them like proper servings so she was working with kids in in that in that area um i have no idea like i haven't even asked her why the fuck we moved over there but I mean she did a lot of community service in that neighborhood. And so it was it was crazy, man, that I was like, I was really known in that community for doing like very negative shit.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Was there like a reason for that? Or was there a, were you drawn to to causing and, and raising hell or...
1: um, I, I can't really I don't fucking know what was going on during that time, man. I just knew that I was like in that lifestyle. Yeah. You know, I joined a gang really fucking early and I just kind of just thrived. You know, I I, I didn't I wasn't afraid to get fucking dirty True. and I wasn't afraid to go to fucking jail. I just never did up until that point, you know, and the guys that were around me were definitely older guys mm-hmm. and. I mean, it was there were times when I would be doing shit that they'd be like, nah, dude, I'm going home like that's way too fucking wild. Yeah. So I don't know if it was just like me being attracted to that chaos and just violence and crime in general or what it was, man. It could have been an influence from, you know, the, the older guys, but I definitely think that I influenced them to a certain extent as well to do some really wild shit.
0: Sure. Okay. So you, then you make it in or you, you get into juvie and uh, what happens next?
1: Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Genesee Valley regional center, like Flint, Michigan is broken up into like a bunch of different parts. You got guys from the South side, you got guys from the East side, you got guys from like the North side and none of them get along, but they all go to the same fucking place so i was um as soon as i got into that motherfucker dude it was like (laughs) i was already (laughs) i was already in trouble man like i saw guys and uh that i'd like previously been into fistfights and like just fucking stuff in high school so running into them was like it was instant fucking battle royale like yeah I remember walking through. You know, you walk through. You get all your shit from like another fucking you know kid that's like there because um, you you have jobs kind of like I think it's almost fucking prepping you for prison, dude. Mm-hmm. You got a guy that's in there that's an actual fucking crimey that's passing you your fucking linen, your uh, your fucking Bob Barkers. You know, those are the sandals that you're fucking wearing. Your mm-hmm. fucking socks, like everything, your whole get up, like there's another kid giving you that shit and so when you're going from intake intake you go in there it's same shit as jail you get butt naked you cough whatever um and going in you know you grab your fucking clothes and then they sent they assign you to kind of like not necessarily a pod but kind of a pod and a pod is like um it's like a floor with, with like rooms on the floor. And then like, as you go up, there's rooms up top. Um, The one that I was in, it was just a single pod. Like there was, I think there were hallways, hallways, had like rooms and stuff. Yep. Um, So they were actually at fucking chow at the time that I was coming into intake. And when you're coming into intake, you have to walk past the chow. And so I'm seeing all these dudes and I like look at the table and there was a dude that robbed me back in the day. So I instantly knew I was going to get into it with him. Like once I went into, you know, um, kind of the public of like, uh, I guess general pop, um, general population. So, I mean, there were some other dudes that I knew from another neighborhood that were there. So I knew I was going to get into it with them. And then I started seeing some dudes that were actually in my neighborhood that just disappeared. And they were in fucking juvie. So, like, I instantly clicked up. Um, First night wasn't that bad, man. I went in. I just fucking slept. You know, Um, I didn't get a phone call. Um, My mom thought I fucking ran away. So she wasn't, you know, calling the police trying to think like, you know, I got kidnapped and shit like that. Um, The next day, dude, like. They start, you know walking down, telling everybody to get the fuck up, fold your racks, shit like that, so we all had to come outside, like, you're all standing by your fucking rooms, because the door, like, there's a buzzer, and it opens up, so I come out, and I'm standing by my room, dude comes, and he's like, you know, you guys are going to chow, so I'm like, okay, cool, so as you go into the chow hall, you have different tables, there's like six different tables, and the tables that were already segregated to neighborhoods like two areas like North side, East side, West side. And so, um, I ended up going to my respective table and I mean like no sooner I get there, there was a fucking like full blown bra, dude. Yeah. Um, dude got stabbed with a fucking fork. (laughs) Like there's dudes getting just fucking just, just terrorized, you know? And a juvenile facility of that that stature is not a huge place so i mean it probably took like 10 or 15 minutes for like the co's to even come in to break it up yeah. um yeah i actually got my jaw cracked dude hit me with some shit um so i was in there with a fucking cracked jaw for like a couple days didn't know that it was cracked until like afterwards like it was just you know and then during that time i just got worse and worse like I just wanted to fight people, you know, that, that was my thing was like fighting people with my fucking hands. Sure. And, um, there was a, there was a teacher that actually started talking to me early on and he's like, you know, I read your fucking case and this is the first time that you've gotten in trouble. And, you know, I don't know what the fuck you like, why you did what you did, but we're going to try to straighten you out. So he actually started working with me. Um, but I I still rebelled, man. Like, you know, that was one of the dudes that actually looked at me and was trying to help me out because he, he, he went through everybody that was in his class. Like, I mean, that's his job is to go in and look, okay. Did this guy graduate, you know, eighth grade, did this guy graduate seventh, you know? So he goes through, so he already knew. And um, I just didn't fucking listen. Um, The last, I think pretty much the last really big incident I got into was um, they were doing a room inspection where they were tossing our shit, going through all of our stuff and they had to stand outside and like maybe six or seven doors down, there was this dude that, um, the same guy that I saw upon intake that robbed me, I saw him and we just we just fucking went full blown um, and I was trying to gouge his fucking eyes out and I just remember like getting tackled by one of the COs and hit in my head and like blacking the fuck out. Yeah. And at that point, like that was literally the. I, I don't know what it. I don't know what it did to me. But once I came out of like kind of you know segregation, I was a different person. You know, I was just you know I was trying to get the fuck out of there. I knew I wasn't <laughs> going to get out of there, but I was trying to like make it seem like I was going to straighten up to get the fuck out.
0: So did you know? I guess going into it that you. I guess liked fighting. I mean, you said it, you turned into you, you enjoyed kind of getting into it with your hands. I,
1: I don't really think so, man. I, I think it was like, I think it just kind of happened like that. You know, no. I was always a bigger kid anyway. Um, and it, it is just like that very first fight, like seeing just that chaos and knowing like, okay, if you get in a fucking fight, you're only going to be locked up for a month you know, you're in there and you can work out. You don't have to fucking sweep floors. You don't have to do any of that because they were still making us do like random shit.
0: Um, It was an incentive for you.
1: Yeah. So I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just go back. Um, And it just kind of got worse. You know, every time I came out, I got into something. Um, I actually went to court during that time. And that was the first time that my mom showed up. Yeah. And she walks in and she like looks at me. And it was the first, I I think it was arraignment or whatever. I forgot how fucking jail shit goes, but the judge is sitting there. I forgot his name. Um, I should remember it though. But the guy was sitting there and he's like reading off these fucking charges. And then he starts reading how long, like I could serve for 90% of this shit I did. I think one of the things I did was like, it was a misdemeanor. Everything else was a felony from like, felony firearm to fleeing and eluding. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is back
0: to the, the robbery that you're talking about.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, And then after he started reading those fucking charges off, like, cause it it took a long time for them to like actually bring me back into court to where I was actually getting tried for this shit. So right after that, like all of the shit that I was doing in jail was actually read to me too. So it was like inciting a riot taking place in a riot, like assault, like all yeah. of that shit got red. And I was just like, fuck. And I looked over at my mom and I mean, it was, it was so surreal because I was chained from my waist around my waist to my fucking hands. And then, like I said, I was a bigger dude. So they ended up, uh, I, I had two shackles on my feet too. Um, and I'm sitting in this chair and I'm looking and I look back and my mom's sitting there and she's just fucking balling, yeah. you know? She's just fucking balling. And after they she got had no idea, huh? No, she didn't know. I mean, she, you know, I, I like snuck out the window a couple of times when I was like growing sure. up, but that was it. Um, I'm pretty sure that people in the neighborhood, like kind of snitched on me saying like, Oh, your son's doing this and that, but she never believed it because to her, you know, I even like the clothes that I was buying myself, which were fucking like really popular back in the day, I was putting that in my backpack. I would wear the clothes that she gave me to school Once I got Mm -hmm. to school, I changed into like my fucking hip hop gear shit. You know, know, she never she never had any idea that that was like what I was doing. Um, so I remember like sitting there, him reading my charges, and then uh my mom just saying, like, you did it, like like, you do you fucked up. She didn't say you fucked up, she's like, You did it now, like you're yeah. In it, you know, she got up and she walked out, and I was like, I think I remember seeing my mom twice during that time because she wouldn't come.
0: Yeah, so. so so you said it was when you blacked out when you when the, the CEO hit you, right, or, or tackled yeah. you that you started yeah. to think, Man, I'm gonna make a change. Do you think that, that seeing your mom like that made any difference too? <laughs>
1: I was a Hellraiser, man. You know, <laughs> it's a, you know, watching like movies like the Goodfellas and shit like that, where you get pinched and you don't snitch. Like yeah. that was my, my that was my mentality. OK, you know, so it was like. I'm going to come back. I'm going to have done jail time. Mm-hmm. My mom's still going to love me because I'm her son. Oh, like, yeah, so I can do this, you know.
0: Fair, fair. All right. So. You make it through, you make it through uh, the, the correctional or the juvie. And then, you know, you're still in your early or your mid-teens. What happens next?
1: Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like, I don't remember whether I was six months in or three months in at this point. Like it was, it was still very early. Um, I got a subpoena and what they do is they slide in under your door. And I like open this shit up. And like I said, I'd never been in the system. So I'm like looking at this paper and it says subpoena on it. And it's like, you know, it's got my name and all of this other shit. And, um, it had like not co-defendant, I guess it like, it was my crimey, like the guy that I committed the crime with, his name was <laughs> on there. too.
0: Okay. So I go
1: to court and in the beginning, I had a public defender, the worst fucking lawyer that you can possibly get. <laughs> um, <laughs> So the public defender fuck comes to me, you know, talks to me and he's just like, all right, so here's the deal. They want you to fucking, you know, tell on this guy that's gonna show up. And if you tell on him, they're gonna reduce your fucking sentence. Well, like I said, going back to the fucking movies, I'm like thinking yeah. in my head, like, nah, I'm I not ain't no
2: snitch. Yeah, way.
1: yeah, I ain't no snitch, you know. So I came up with this this fucking ultimate plan that like (laughs) i was gonna go in the courtroom i was gonna look at my buddy and i was gonna take this plea so when you take the plea they like you know i didn't know that they write it after you get done to to make sure that you actually agree with the shit yeah it's it's your terms so i said okay cool like i'll go in there you know i didn't really know the dude anyway like i lied i knew him i grew up with him um i said i'll ride on him so I go to the fucking courtroom, I'm sitting there, the the fucking, the DA sitting next to me, like, across from me, and like, my lawyers sit next to me, like, the fucking courtroom had a lot of people in it, and um, they bring my buddy in, they're like, hey, fucking Lance Pleasure, you know, blah, 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 and then they say my name, and they start going over all of this shit, and they say, you know, on the night of, uh, I forgot when it was, but on the night of so-and-so in Cedar shore apartments, who, who did, who accompanied you? And I started looking around and again, my mom wasn't there for this. Um, I'm like looking around and I say, I don't know who you're talking about. And my lawyer looks over at me and he kind of nudges me and he's like, the fuck you doing? Yeah, literally. Because I wasn't, I, it, it's weird looking at it now because I know when you testify against somebody, like they make you do the whole under oath shit. Um, I didn't go through any of that because I guess I was a juvenile at that time. Um, But I remember them asking me again, okay, we're going to ask you again, who is Lance Pleasure? And I I don't know. They're like, okay, so this guy sitting right here, like who is that guy? And I've seen him around, but I don't know who this guy is. Mm -hmm. He was the one that was with us. So immediately after I said that shit, the, the defense attorney stood up and was just like, okay, it's fine. And I ended up getting fucking rekeyed put inside of like the, the, I guess like a transfer box to go back to the juvenile facility. And like, right after that, um, it just, it all hit me. My attorney came in and he was like, Hey, you know, I'm not going to be your public attorney anymore or public defender anymore. And he's like, you're going to get charged as an adult. And I'm like sitting here asking this guy, like, why am I going to get tried as an adult? He's like, well, for one, there were photos of an individual and you running from this location, but they didn't have the face of this guy. So they said they know that it's him. And you also just, you know, agreed to a plea saying that you were going to snitch on this guy and you just made us all look like fools. So he's like, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with you. And I kind of just like, fuck, dude. Went back to Jenny, the the juvenile facility, and the next day, I got another fucking piece of paper slid underneath my door, and I was being tried as an adult. Okay. Um, It was like less than 72 hours that I was fucking transferred, and that was probably like the realest shit that I've ever been through at that point in time because- a lot of us grow up watching movies mm-hmm. and you know, when you go to jail, you get raped, you get beat up, you get your shit taken, like stuff like that. So like all automatically, like I'm thinking in my head, like this is what's going to happen to me. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I'm a bigger dude, but I know that, you know, bigger dudes get raped too. So I'm like, all this shit's going through my head and it's just, it's, it's blowing my mind, man. Um, the last day there was a, there was a CEO that I kind of, you know, got close to, she would like talk to me about shit. And she said, you know, um, just hang in there. And I, you know, what is that supposed to mean? She's like, well, you know, you're going to so-and-so location. And um, I, I, I didn't break, but I think it was at that time that like, I put that mask on and I just became callous the whole time.
0: Yeah. So you didn't break. What was it that was pushing you to that breaking point?
1: Just the whole thing, man. Like going from like just freedom in general, like that's the hardest part about all of it is like, you can't hang out, you know, the girls that you used to talk to are going to go date other dudes. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you're just, you're locked up, you know, that's, that's what kind of was like the turning point for me. And then like, as soon as I went into, you know, the adult location, I was just into the same shit again. Yeah. Um, But this time it was like Rick career criminals. Like they were older dudes that like were into a lot of shit and I was a younger dude coming in and you know, where we were at, there were guys from Detroit. Yeah. Like it was pretty soft in comparison. Yeah. It was like guys from Detroit. There were guys from Flint. Um, there were guys from like Saginaw for some reason, like other counties. And I don't know why some of the dudes from Detroit were there. Maybe they committed crimes in that general area and they, you know, got housed there. But I mean, it, that, that's when it was like, it was real. Okay. You know, there was like, when I was in juvenile facility, I was thinking like, maybe I could get out of jail, you know, maybe because this was my first time because my mom ended up going and getting like letters from like my teachers letters from, You know, the special ed teachers where I like volunteered, there are people in the community that I like cut their fucking grass and shit like that. Like she went and got all these letters. But what single handedly buried me was like the severity of my crimes. Yeah, I could have gotten out, you know, with the fights in jail, but like the severity of the crime was what actually put me under.
0: Okay. Okay, so you get tried in as as an adult. Um, but from when we talked last, uh, there was, there was, um, a caveat to that, right? So you got tried as an adult, you spent some time in jail, but then you ended up joining the Marine Corps. How did that happen?
1: So I remember I was, uh, fuck, what was it? It was probably 18 months, 18 months into, um, my stench. I got brought back into court and the judge, you know, he was talking to me. He's like, Hey, you know, you only got a couple months left. And if you don't take this, I'm going to give you an extra five years. Wow. And I said, like, at the time I didn't know, like, what decision to make. Mm -hmm. I just knew, like, I had to make a fucking decision. I didn't know anything besides, you know, my grandpa being in the military. I didn't grow up around military dudes. Sure. You know, so I didn't know anything about it, but he gave me the option. He said, you know, if you join the military, we will, you know, let you out after your time is served. Like, cause I, I think I still had, um, either six or seven months, something like that. Um, so I ended up going, he ended up talking to me. There was like this fucking recruiter that was sitting there in his fucking uniform and he was in the courtroom. hmm so he goes to the attorney that we got. We actually started paying for attorneys at that point. Um, I I don't really know why we ended up doing the attorney thing because I was already kind of fucked anyway. Um, but the attorney ended up talking to like right after I made my decision, the attorney went because I mean, the judge made me make that decision like right then, like it was not a, you know, six months come talk to me. Like it was like, no, like either you do it now or you're fucked. Um, So like right after that, uh, my attorney went and talked to the, uh, the recruiter, the recruiter talked to, um, the recruiter talked to, I guess he talked to either the judge or my mom or something like that. And was saying like, Hey, you know, they're going to give him early release. He's going to go home to you. You know, you need to keep him out of fucking trouble. And then like right after all the paperwork's done, we're going to go ahead and ship him out. So it was a very fast, like, it was, you know, from the street to, like, jail to the Marine Corps. That's that's literally how fast it was.
0: Okay. That's nuts. So, you were going to get five extra years. What have that been? Was that for continued fighting and
1: stuff? Um, well, once I got over to the bigger, the bigger location, um, I mean, it was, like, it wasn't, like, the juvenile shit to where I was, like, getting in fights with, like, just random people. This was a very organized, like, kind of pod to where if there was, like, two guys that were going to jump on another dude from another area, like, you were doing it, too. Like, you were getting, like, you were involved. And I actually only got into three fights there. There was one riot that we got into. Um, A CEO, I guess, supposedly spit on an inmate, and it just went up from there. And I mean, it was like the prime time for everybody else to jump on us, and us to jump on them. So it was just—it was chaos, dude. Okay, it's absolutely so, chaos.
0: Yeah. So up until this point, before we jump into the Marine Corps, was there, has there, has there been any life lessons that you've learned that maybe you feel is important to share, or, or things that you've learned, maybe if for kids that might have been in situations like you, you know, grew up like you, that are finding themselves in trouble, that you're like, dude either don't fucking do it here's what i learned here's something that you should take take to the grave with you
1: just do your own thing man like i mean corrupt companions corrupt your fucking morals like that i i strongly believe that you know um and i only say that because there were kids that i used to hang out with that didn't have anything to do with crime yeah i had the best of time with those dudes but when i was like gang banging and doing all type of other shit that was like, it was fun too, but I knew I was going to get in trouble from the shit, you know, and I was influenced by the negative side and I wasn't influenced by the good side. They just kind of did their own shit, you know, um, we used to play counter-strike on the fucking computer, Mm -hmm. like, like, you know, old school shit. So like we, you know, that, that was like that, that time. And then when I was with the other guys that were kind of influencing me to do different shit, you know, we were fucking sticking dudes up, we were fucking, like, selling drugs, we were shooting at people, like, it was a total different, um, different world, man, like, I remember getting in gunfights with the dudes that stayed across the street from the house that I was selling drugs at, like, house is here, house is here, we see each other, we have a fucking gunfight, and it was like, thinking about that shit now, I'm just like, holy fuck, like, you know going in the marine corps and actually hearing and seeing a dude die from some shit and then like knowing that I was into that type of like shit when I was like younger it's like holy fuck
0: yeah you know pretty pretty traumatic i'm <laughs> it's pretty different
1: yeah it it definitely is um but i would say just do your own thing um and whatever path you choose to take, whether it be illegal or not illegal, just know that you got to deal with the consequences of your fucking actions. So choose them very wisely. Yeah,
0: fair. Okay, so you joined the Marine Corps, you, or I guess you get you get forced into the Marine Corps, <laughs>
1: almost. I, yeah, I took the choice. So, I mean, I, I honestly, like not even being cocky, I could have done that five years.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I definitely could have. But you didn't. And uh, And what did you end up doing
1: in the Marine Corps? So I was an infantryman. Yeah, um, you
0: said that that's all you
1: wanted to do too. That's all I wanted to do, man. Like I didn't care about anything else. Um I mean when he read off the, you know, the number of jobs that I could have gotten and then he read infantry, it was just like Yep, that's it. Like <laughs> you know, he was he even talked to me about being uh uh like building explosives and shit like that, but I didn't want that job. Like I wanted to just, he's like, you guys are going to be the first ones in. And you know, he, he like romanticized the shit. And then like later on in life I find out that he wasn't even a fucking infantryman. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, he sold me that pill and I took it. Yeah. Um,
0: You're like, you fucking lied. No.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it just, I was just, uh, I was very attracted to it. Um, my recruiter didn't have too much information on what the fuck infantry was because he was an infantryman, but it, I was very attracted to just like some of the stories that I had heard, you know, from infant like about infantry.
0: Yeah, so you did that for how long?
1: Um, so I came in, what was it 07? Yeah, it was 07, it was like the beginning of 07, I think, or October. It was like either the beginning or the end of October um of 07. So I came in and I got out in 2016. Okay. Quite a while. Yeah, so it was it was like I went to let's see the end of so 2008 all we did was train and like I was in boot camp like halfway through that. Um you go to ITB which is like your infantryman school. So you're not really a marine at that school, yet. You know, I believe that you are a Marine once you go to the fleet and you're around other fucking degenerates like yourself. But, um, <laughs> you know, you, you go to boot camp. I, I, that, that was three months. And then you go to ITB, which is, I forgot how long that shit is. Um, but that's just like, you know, you're doing the hikes, you're, you're fucking with like the guns that you're possibly going to use. You're learning how to do land nav. You're just kind of learning to like, almost be a Marine. And then once you go to the fleet and you get hazed for a night, like that's when you're like, that's when you're getting into that phase of like actually being a fucking grunt. Yeah. Um, so I ended up. Uh, so originally I went in as an, as an infantryman and I was going to go reconnaissance. Yeah. Well, I was training to do that the whole time I was at ITB I kind of, like, I guess not really befriended some of the fucking instructors, but, like, I never quit, and they saw that, you know, so they were like, hey, you know, if you think about doing something else, um, the recon, the recon guy is going to come, you know, during one of you guys' classes, and if you want to fucking do it, you can sign up and shit like that, and um, I didn't know what reconnaissance was, like, I saw the guys walking around. They always had these fucking ropes and like, they were just dirty and they just always looked like they were just fucking tired. We used to see them as we were going to chow sometimes. Um, And once I started talking to more people about it, they were just like, yeah, those fucking dudes, like they're sneaky squirrels and they fucking know, you know, how to deal with the radio. Like they just told me all these fucking stories. So after I got out of SOI um, or after I got out, I graduated ITB. I was supposed to go over to. I think it was like a couple nights before. Um, they told me that I was going to be going over to. Uh, I believe it was. Uh, fuck. At that time, it was. Uh, I forgot what it was. Rip uh, reconnaissance something, like I, I think it was. Uh, it was where you go to school. Like you, you basically it's like another fucking boot camp, pretty much. Okay. Because they're teaching you how to fuck with radios. They're teaching you how to do ropes. And they're just playing the fuck out of you. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Um. And then you get shipped out to, you know, or you go to whatever battalion you're going to go to. Um. But I ended up having like, kind of like a heart to heart with one of the other instructors. He was actually a grunt. Um. And he told me straight up, he's just like, I mean, if this is something you want to do, then, you know, go for it. But just know that like, you're going to go to school first, you know, and you're going to be in school for a while. So I'm like, wait, like, it's already like fucking 2000. I think it was like 2008 at that time. So I'm like, so you mean I'm not going to go to war first? Like I, cause I didn't know anything about it. So I'm like, you tell me I'm not going to go fucking slay bodies? (laughs) And uh, he's like, no, you're going to go to school first. So I was like, fuck this. Like, this is not, I'm not trying to go to fucking school. So I ended up going uh, to one of the other instructors who was like, I guess the lead instructor, I told him I didn't want to do it anymore. And he asked me why. And I said, cause I wanted to go to Iraq and this dude looked at me. Like I was like out of my fucking mind. And he's like, you do you know what that means? Right. And I said, yeah, like, I mean, I think so. And I said, it can't be any worse than like the shit I've already been doing like in the streets anyway. Right. And yeah. he's like, no, it's, it's a lot different. And I said, I don't want to go anymore. So he ended up doing the paperwork or I got like sent to, there was like another part of ITB, Got sent over there. Um, and they told me I was going to 2nd Battalion 1st Marines. And 2nd Battalion 1st Marines was in slate to go to Iraq. Okay. It, that's where they were going. Um, and then there was like other units, uh, like out in 29 Palms that were fucking going to um, I believe they went to they either went to Afghanistan or they went to Iraq first, one of the two. Um, but uh Yeah, I went to 2-1, man, Um, and I remember, like, just not knowing, like, what decision was the right decision at that time. I had some influence from an ex-girlfriend's mom to where she was like, oh, well, you know, judging from what you told us, if you go to a recon, you're not going to be with, you know, so-and-so, and and you guys are never going to be able to be together, so that was a big influence, too, but Mm -hmm. actually just wanting to go Iraq was a huge one. You yep. know, I, I didn't want to miss that shit. Right.
0: And you didn't. You went and did that for quite a while.
1: Um, I actually went to Iraq in 2000. Like I said, I think it was like two, the end of 2008 or like the beginning of 2009. Okay. Uh, it was like right. I remember Cheney was still when I was actually in the fleet getting ready for Iraq. Cheney was the vice president. So okay. I don't remember who the fuck's president during that time. <laughs> Um, oh, it was Bush, right? Bush and yeah, Bush and Cheney. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So it was right before. Um, I actually like, if this helps out any, when I was in Iraq, um, Obama won presidency. Okay. Yep. So it was was around that time. Yep. Yeah. Um, 2008,
0: 2009.
1: Yep. That that's, that's when we were there. Um, and I mean, Iraq wasn't really It wasn't kinetic for us, man. I mean, it kind of was in a way, but it wasn't like where we were in gunfights with dudes. Like we got mortared, like, you know, indirect fire coming in. That's what we saw. Um, I remember the very first time that I heard celebratory fire, that shit was scary as fuck because I'm just like, okay, now we're involved in this fucking gunfight. And then we like end up getting ready to raid this fucking house and then we find out that they're doing celebratory fire. Like somebody was getting married or some shit and we were about to go <laughs> put everybody in there. Yeah. So, you know, everybody was definitely on edge. Um, my seniors were from like the invasion. You know, they were older guys, like guys that went during the invasion and then dudes that went in like 2005, 2006, around that time. Right. Um. So they were like very about getting into some shit, um, but yeah, I mean we did a couple interdictions and shit like that, like people trying to smuggle shit over from uh, from Syria because we were on the Syrian border. Like I could actually look at another person over in Syria. That's how I'm mm-hmm. to dang
0: okay. So when you retired, then uh, what what happened after that?
1: When I did what?
0: When you retired. From when Marie I retired Corp. yeah from Marine Corps
1: oh no 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 so I didn't retire I just left you just left okay yeah um well before I even retired I actually went to Afghanistan as well okay um so I had I went to Iraq I went on um Afghanistan shortly after so 2008 2009 was uh, Iraq 2010 was Afghanistan so we like we got back we did our fucking work up and then we went straight into Afghanistan um Afghanistan was a different beast. It definitely was, like, I mean, we got mortared where, you know, a dude got his shit blown off, like, in Iraq, but, like, Afghanistan was... it, It was different, dude. You know, waking up, having to go on patrols, and then coming back and going on post, and then being on QRF, like, right after that, and, like, it just, it was, it was shitty, you yeah. know, um, I ended up being at like a main fob in the beginning. Well, not a fob, but a PB in the beginning and then going over to a much smaller one to help some dudes because they didn't have enough guys. And I mean, we were just always running on fumes, you know, we moved around a lot. Um, we had to do like 24 hour coverage. So it was like patrol fucking pose. And I think it was, uh, like rest or some shit, but you weren't really resting. Like you were just pretty much on post, like hanging out, waiting to go back out again. Um, and it just, it it was different, man. Like my experiences were different than people that were in the same fucking AO, but they, they just were in a different area. So they weren't in contact with dudes that were fucking just being bad guys. Um, I remember the very first firefight that we got into was it. So we're in this fucking, this ranger file. So that's like one guy after another guy we're in this fucking ranger file. And I'm like telling Charlie of this fucking patrol and we're having to hop over this fucking like mini canal. And that was like the death to every fucking Marine over there was that fucking canal shit. Because <laughs> if you didn't make it, you were going in the drink. Like you were like in shitty water. Like you were fucked. And yeah. I remember watching like two guys before me. like try to run over and get like right at the tip and then their body started doing like this and they just went backwards into this shit. <laughs> and I was just like, fuck, this is going to be me. And so, um, the area that we were in, there, there were Taliban in that fucking area. And so we sent half the patrol over and they would provide security. And then the other um, group would hop over. So we weren't just all blindly hopping over with no fucking rare security. And so I had a fucking saw. Uh, my latest post was like my, my loadout. I had 1,200 fucking rounds inside of my day pack. I had... Two fucking nutsacks that's a hundred hundred rounds each um i had some fucking i had dumb pouches full of fucking rounds too and then i had my saw that's a lot of fucking weight and so as i'm like getting ready to like hop across this motherfucker um i throw my fucking day pack over that makes it and I just went in the water, dude. I was just like, fuck this. Like, I'm not going to try to, I'd rather just be wet than like humiliated and fucked up at the same time. So I'm just going to go. Yeah. Um, So we get to the other side, and like my stomach started bubbling. Uh, We went to like a a fucking KLE, which is a key leader engagement. And, you know, when in Rome do as the Romans do. So they had like this fucking it was like grapes and like fermented goat milk or some shit that was like all mixed up. And then they had like the door to eat the fucking bread. So like you had to scoop it up and like, and everybody in this fucking key leader engagement is like putting their dirty fucking hands, like in this stuff <laughs> and we're like eating it because you don't want to say no to this guy. Right. Um, so like, after that, I'm just like, everybody's fucking stomach was fucked up. Yeah. We're on control. And so I was like, I gotta take a shit. I have to take a shit like right now. So, this is like after we hopped over, I think like everybody hopping over me, kind of walking through it. Like, I just got sick at one point or another. So, I'm sitting there and I'm, I, I radio up and I'm like, dude, I gotta take a shit like right now. So, they're like, all right, halt, halt the fucking patrol. So, the guys are like facing out board, smoking cigarettes, doing whatever the <laughs> fuck. And I'm like in the middle, like with my fucking pants down and my fucking ankles, like taking a dump. And, um, dude like right as right as that's happening we just started just (laughs) just just all over the fucking place and I just remember like yelling like fuck like you know pants down yeah kick out everything just like fuck just screaming because I'm like, why the fuck does this have to happen now? <laughs> I didn't have any fucking baby wipes. If I didn't have baby wipes, I would wipe my ass with my sock. Like, I would have been, the preparation would have been fine, and I was yeah. gonna, like, you know, just get up and start walking. No, that didn't happen. So I like pulled up my fucking pants, and like, as we're, so we ended up fighting towards those guys. We didn't like fight away from them. Sure. So we're like, we start running into this fucking field, and this field is like probably like mid ankle, probably, you know, maybe mid leg almost for your knee. And it's just fucking, it's shit water. It's like the water that they're watering their crops with. So we're running through that shit. And like, you know, you're sloshing, like trying to get through this shit. Then I remember slamming my fucking bipods down with my saw. And I pull the trigger and it just goes click. (laughs) And at that time, I like yell out, fuck again, weapon down, weapon down, weapon down. So I'm like trying to go through my remedial action to get this fucking gun back up. And um, same thing, like click. And I'm just like, motherfucker. And something happened. You know, maybe God was there with us at that point. The gun starts working. So we're like running. We're bounding. Like I'm bounding with some random dude. And uh, I think it was actually this dude named Shammy. I'm like running with him. And he's like shooting in the opposite direction. Like yeah. Somewhere else. I don't even know where the fuck he's shooting at, but he's shooting somewhere else. And I like look over and I'm like, hey, you stupid motherfucker, like they're that way. So he like, oh fuck. Like start shooting, you know, the way that he's <laughs> And I mean, it was just a shitty, it was it was a shitty experience, you know. It literally, just, yeah. It happened, yeah, literally, like, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, it just happened like all at one one point in time. Um, luckily you know, we didn't, nobody died from it. And I just remember yelling at dudes, like, get the fuck up. Like, and I wasn't even in charge of this fucking patrol. I just, I knew that if we didn't do what we were supposed to do, somebody was going to get fucking smoked. And um, I remember one of the guys told me after we got finished that like, there was, there was a bunch of rounds that like hit right in front of me. So like, if I wouldn't have put my body down where I put it, I would have gotten fucking smoked. Yeah. Um and I mean finding IEDs after that, two one had the best strike to find ratio, which means that like we found more than we got hit by. Okay. Um in the whole like Afghanistan at that point, because we were just finding them. Like, you know, um the very I mean, I remember the very first time that we got fucking shot by a sniper, I was actually in the turret and I'm face you know uh i was i was either the the first vic or the side vic i don't remember but we're driving down this road cow cowboy cowboys Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden i hear this like this pink and i look at the window because they they had those big ass fucking um uh bulletproof windows i look at the window and, and one of the windows has like a nice fucking crack in it and we ended up radioing that shit in and like previously to that somebody else was saying that they had received sniper fire in the area as well. Okay. I don't know why I didn't get fucking smoke, but it was definitely one of those days that, you know, whoever was with me out there. um
0: Kept safe. Yeah.
1: You know, we got shot at by, by AMPs before going up Hills. And then them like, we're not, we didn't know that they were up there doing an OP or fucking off or whatever. And like, as we go up, like they just let off a fucking RPK at us. And, like, you just see guys just, like, spread the Red Sea to, like, each side of um, this little GOAT trail that we were going up. I mean, it just – it was surreal, you know, knowing that you could step on a fucking IED at any point in time or you could be an engagement where motherfuckers are dying at any point in time. Um, our very first KIA was a dude named Chad Wade. He stepped on an IED, and uh, we heard about it. You know, we we heard about it in the AO. So, it's just – everybody was like holy fuck like this is this is like what war is you know not sleeping um going into some places to where the unit before us hadn't i don't know how long it had been that you know before they they just weren't there like very recently so when we went they kind of were like looking at us like holy fuck like who the fuck are these dudes When other places we went, they just you know it was normal shit. We were just walking through their fucking villages, right? Uh, But this place specifically, it was not. Yeah, it was definitely a place that they hadn't went to in a while.
0: So did that sit with you pretty bad then? I mean, I mean, just kind of the, I guess, the gravity of everything. Did that fuck you up? I mean, there's
1: other people that got it way worse than we Mm -hmm. did. You know, I mean, we got into it, but then we didn't get into it. We set up ambushes and shit like that for dudes. But I mean, I know guys that were in it every day, you know, as soon as they left the fucking wire, they were in contact. Yeah. Um, And like I said, it was a very unique um, deployment because there were guys that went on the same deployment that were in the same platoon as us, but they didn't receive combat action ribbons because at that time they just, they didn't get into it like we did. Right. Um, there were parts of the battalion that went to Afghanistan that didn't receive shit. And I mean, it was the same situation for Iraq. Like they didn't, they didn't see shit. So they went on both deployments and they didn't see a fucking thing. And I, I can't even imagine what that would feel like.
0: Yeah. Okay. So did that leave you with any like demons or anything coming home? Um. I mean, just the combat, finding yeah. IEDs, anything like that.
1: It just made me disassociate okay. more so than I already did. You know, coming up, um, it, it definitely caused me to be hyper vigilant. Um, but I would say like disassociating shit to where it's like, I didn't even tell my mom that I went to Iraq. I didn't tell her shit. You know, she, she found out, um, Afghanistan. The first time I told her she had a nervous breakdown, Yeah, you know, and I was already there. So it was just kind of like, fuck it. At that point. Right. Um, my father ended up almost getting killed while I was there. Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of fucked with me, but it was like, I can't leave these dudes here by the, like, they weren't by themselves. But to me, it was like, I was leaving them by myself, like by themselves if I went home. So yeah, I, I just didn't, you know, and that fucked with me when I came back. Cause I was like, I could have lost my mom and I could have lost my father in the same fucking deployment. And I was like, I don't want to go home. You know, it, 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 it just made me, you know, even when I got out and I started doing the civilian shit, it just made me not really give a fuck about Mm -hmm. what I was leaving behind. And it actually caused a lot of problems because when I got married, I was the same way, you know, I would leave and then it didn't affect me when it, when it definitely should have affected me. I just kind of like zoned out at that point. Um, it, It made me kind of, Like, at some point during your deployment, you get to that point where you don't fucking care anymore. Yeah. And you're, like, looking for it at that point. You're looking to get in those conflicts. You're looking for something to happen. And so when you get out, it's, it's kind of the same shit. Like, you're looking for those, like, at-risk behave, like activities. You're looking for that fucking that rush that, you know, I've never had a rush, like, getting fucking shot at before. And it was, like, much more prominent getting shot at in the Marine Corps than it was, like, shooting at a dude across the street for me. Because right. it was kind of like we were trying to show who was bigger and badder, you know, but in Afghanistan, motherfuckers were trying to kill you. Like, yeah. that's what they were trying to do. Um, I definitely didn't have – the training wasn't the same either you know, Iraq wasn't the same training as Afghanistan. Afghanistan was like, we were always training for that. Mm -hmm. But Iraq, it was like, you do some shoot houses, you go to, you know, the main event and then you're ready to deploy. Afghanistan definitely was like hot ass fucking weather. Um, Some comms, but not a lot of comms. I mean, our little PB where we stayed at wasn't, It wasn't big. Like we didn't have computers. We didn't have fucking, you know, sat phones. We didn't have any of that shit. And so you just kind of learn to deal without it. Because even when we would go to the bigger PBs to where, you know, our platoon commander and our platoon sergeant were. um, They had, you know, the computer lab, they had the telephones and shit like that. Even when we would go over there, the guys that lived at that fucking PB were on the phones or they were on the computers and and then sometimes we were fucking River City, which which no comes whatsoever because some shit has happened. Um So we just got over it. Like, I mean, and, and like I said, it, it just gave me that. That disassociative like personality to where I don't really need too much to fucking just be content, you know? Yeah.
0: Is that something that you carried on uh for quite a while or did you find ways to kind of reassociate? Still you still have it?
1: Uh, I, I still have it, you know, as bad or? It's 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 pretty fucking bad. <laughs> you know, I'm not even gonna lie to you. Yeah, um, I I see this fucking coffee cup more times than I see like actual people. Yeah, you know, just on a daily basis. Um, I still have it pretty bad because the choices that I made to do, well, the choices that I made as, as a civilian. Um, I remember the very first contract that I went on like actual contract. Mm -hmm. Um, it was on the Dakota access pipeline. So I don't know if you're familiar with the DAPL. Okay. So that's where they were building the pipeline through, through standing rock.
2: Okay.
1: Um, I I know you're familiar with that, right? Yep. Okay. So one, like I went through that phase of getting out of the Marine Corps to where, damn, we're skipping some shit. Um, (laughs) We can go back. So when I was in 2nd Battalion, 1st Marines, my last deployment was a, I don't really consider it a deployment, but it was, it was a, I was on ship and they, you know, my time was coming to where I had to do a billet. And a billet is like something that, you know, continues your career after, like, you're just, it, it makes you to where you can stay in. Because if you don't have a billet, they kick you the fuck out most of the time. and. Okay. I ended up like being told that I could be a drill instructor and then like a combat instructor. And then like a guy that went on the range. And I was like, I don't want any of that. Like, I just want to fucking run and gun. Like, that's what I want to do. And they said, well, if you don't do one of those things, you're going to get kicked the fuck out because you've been in for, you know, nine years at this point. Um, So I ended up like saying that I wanted to go over to special operations because I, I mean, I trained like that whole deployment. I mean, you're on ship, so I was running, I was working out. I mean, I was in phenomenal shape. Um, and I said, you know, if they give me a chance, then I'm already in shape. Yeah. So my battalion commander actually approved it. Um, my company gunny actually talked to the monitor. The monitor is in control of like your career, and when you're in the Marine Corps um and then my uh my ceo did i had you know references like written references from other like leadership in the battalion to where they were like this guy's a stand-up fucking guy and needs to be afforded the chance to go special operations and so i still couldn't because marsoc at the time wasn't accepting guys that were like seasoned dudes they wanted guys that were i guess less time in service Sure. Um, And a lot of guys that will probably listen to this will will know about this shit. Um, And so as a sergeant, I ended up going over to special operations as a support dude. And I was in uh, I think it was S1 or some shit to where I was like in charge of training and, you know, running dudes to their PFTs. And then we ended up uh, running a program called the tactical skills package to where we were teaching enablers how to shoot we were running, uh, swim clinics to where we were, you know, uh, taking them to swim so they could pass like different shit and they were used to it. Um, that involved like Zodiac boats and a bunch of other shit. Like it was, it was kind of like a dumbed down version of another course that the actual operators go through. Got it. Um, but during that time I was still training, still getting ready for it. And The morning, I forgot what day it was, but they were going out to a course to shoot and I was actually on my way there. Well, I got hit by a fucking car um, that morning. There was a guy that was driving down the highway. He ended up swerving, like trying to miss something. And then he ran over a ladder that like was in the middle of the fucking highway. His car swerves out of control. He hits the center median, comes back. Another car smacks him. And I'm like far enough back to where I can see this shit everybody stopped on the fucking highway. Um, and then some people are just blowing right past it. Like this is on the fucking five highway, which is one of the most traveled fucking highways in, in California. And so I'm sitting on this fucking highway and I see this dude and he's like slumped over in his fucking car. And I'm like, fuck. So I pull over to the side and as I'm pulling over to the side, I'm opening a the door. There's another fucking car. All I saw was his fucking headlights and he fucking smacks me throws me, you know, because I got my seatbelt off and I'm getting out of the car. He throws me in the front of the fucking car. Something in me, like, just, I had all this adrenaline. And the force of that fucking hit was so hard that, like, my door was halfway cracked and it literally slammed the door to where it was on the front of the car. So imagine opening up your door and, then like, going all the way to, you know, the front of it. That's how hard it hit. Um, So... I get out, I run over to this guy, don't even remember how I pulled him out of the fucking vehicle, but I just remember throwing him on my back and playing Frogger in the highway trying to miss other cars, um, after that, dude, like, my body was fucked, like, yeah. something in me was like, okay, all the adrenaline's gone, and I yeah. just, like, You're my done. body was screwed, um, And one of my buddies actually picked me up. He was a critical skills operator, old school recon dude. Um, He picked me up and he took me straight to the fucking hospital. And we sat in the hospital for a little bit and they didn't really do shit. So he like took a government vehicle, which is so funny. And he drove that shit all the way to LA where I was living at the time. And, um, you know, they put me through the therapy shit. Therapy shit didn't work. I got super depressed. Got fat while I was in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. You know, was going through that whole fucking thing because, I mean, they just at that time the guys that were in charge of support battalion they hated grunts. They fucking hated us. Like, I mean, I remember being told that I was going to be a statistic if I got out. Like shit, like that. Just yeah. you know, it was a negative experience. Um, but anyway, I got out and I just. I got out because I didn't want to do the desk job shit. I didn't want to like do anything other than operate. And if I couldn't be a grunt and I couldn't be a critical skills operator, I didn't want to bring in the Marine Corps. Right. You know, so I got out, didn't have a plan B man. Um, I thought I was going to be a careerist at that point. So I ended up getting out no fucking plan. A um, bunch of money saved up and that's it. Like that, that, that was it. You know, yeah. so I'm sitting there for a while and I'm just like on my couch just like not taking my son to school because he was like living or we were living like right across from the school so I'd walk him over there come back get sauced up you know his mom was going to work I didn't really need a job at that point because I had so much money saved up I'm just at the house just getting fucking sauced and um I was going to the range every day I mean I was just living my best life I was fucking off-road in my car during like work hours and fucking going to the beach, surfing, just like doing <laughs> shit, you know, the yeah. whole time. And like, eventually the money started to fucking run out, you know? Um, and I remember I was sitting on the couch and I was drunk as fuck and I had taken uh, painkillers and one of my buddies called me on the phone and he's like, Hey, there's this fucking contract in South Dakota that you can go on. And I was like, okay, um, I don't really got shit going on. So I'm down. And he's like, yeah, okay. Get your resume done. Send it over to this guy. Like within 24 hours I was gone. Yeah. Um, went over to the Dapple. I was pretty much doing like roving security. So like yeah. they're little valve sites that are in the middle of the fields. You go grab those or you don't grab them, but you go pull up in front of them. You watch them just making sure that nobody blows them the fuck up.
0: Yeah. And the DAPL is, I'm sorry, I can't remember. I'm not familiar with the dapple.
1: So the Dakota Access Pipeline. Okay. And that's just, I mean, they were trying to get away from, like, pushing oil on the railroad. So they're, like, building... Oh, those gotcha. Kind of okay. And that way. Got it. Um, so we ended up going through that whole process of, like, doing that type of contracting. Um, I was still battling some some shit I did in the Marine Corps. Um, I ended up getting arrested back in 20. Yeah. 2016. It was actually 2016 when I was over at a support battalion for MARSOC. Um, one of my buddy's houses was being broken into. I had a strap and I actually ran over to his fucking house and stopped this robbery. Well, in the process, his wife called the fucking police and, uh, When she called the police, she didn't specify that the fucking black dude standing out here with this fucking strap with the red shirt on. is not the guy that's breaking into my fucking house. Right. So cops pull up fucking. And, and it's just like the story of me being a child is like (laughs) happening all over again. Um, so I get sent down to, you know, the twin towers in LA, which is jail again. Um, I got NJP for it in the Marine Corps because they said that, you know, the shit I did was like a combat action. It wasn't supposed to be, you know, something that I was doing back in the States. So I I completely got fucking crucified for that. Um, a bunch of dudes stood up for me and they were just like, no, that was a fucking honorable thing he did. Why the fuck are you trying to burn him?" And it just, I don't want to fight it anymore. I was just like, I don't fucking care. NJP me make it public too. So everybody can show up and see the shit. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, So I was dealing with that, that shit, because I had to go to court for that. Um, And that followed me into being a civilian. So as I'm on this contract, I get called to go to court. Well, I asked my supervisor, hey, you know, I need to go back to California to go to court for this. And he's like, all right, cool. Well, there's like a guy, the PM is like above him and the PM didn't want anybody leaving. Unless like there was like, you know, your fucking mom was dying or you were having like something, but he wouldn't let me leave. So my supervisor was like, you know, go ahead and take off. We won't say shit. And then when you come back, you know, you just normal shit. Mm -hmm. You got enough guys to fill your spot, you know, leave your cell phone here. I'll check in for you, blah, 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 blah. Well, the fucking cell phone app that we had for this company, um, it it was Tiger Swan, by the way. Some, some guys on here don't know what the fuck that is. Tiger Tiger Swan is a contracting company. Um, I ended up getting let go because I left and they were saying that it was like unauthorized. So I'm back, you know, like round one, like no fucking job, no nothing else. Um, So I found myself in North Dakota and at the time I knew that the oil field was popping. Like I I knew that there was a lot of money to be made. And so I I came out, I came out here the very first time, didn't have a fucking pot to piss in dude. Like I did everything, but gay porn to make money at that point (laughs) back home. And when I say like, I did some weird shit, you know, Um, and I still wasn't making enough money. So I ended up applying for Halliburton. Halliburton hired me, uh, for wireline, which is where we build explosives and shit, and um, one of the guys that I met, DW, the guy that's in my uh, my bio, he was actually a contractor as well, and a lot of those dudes that were contracting that I met that I'm still friends with actually, when de- like deployments overseas as a contractor kind of like dry up or stupid shit starts happening they know that they can still make a hundred thousand in the oil field. So that's mm-hmm. what they do. They come out here, you know, during that like lag time and they just do, you know, oil field shit. Um, he ended up talking to me about like some other opportunities to go to some other bad places and just, you know, kind of do some operation shit. And, um, let's just say we didn't know who the fuck we were working for. It was a very weird situation. Um, I met a lot of great dudes from it were able to do a lot of things because of how much money I was making, um, including by this company, uh, Ray team. But I mean, it definitely was not something that like a normal person would be doing or even normal contract shit. It was more, we were definitely working for people we weren't supposed to work for. I'll just leave it at that. Yep.
0: Fair. Okay. Okay. And then raid team happened right after that, isn't it?
1: Raid team happened like fucking in the middle of it, man. Um, We were actually, I wouldn't even call it an operation. We were doing some shit um, and DW was actually shot and killed. Mm. And I was told by my supervisor to go grab all of his shit and get ready to send it back home to his wife. And so I go to his locker I open up his walker and I start going through shit and I see all this raid team stuff. I'm like, the fuck is raid team? Like, I, I mean, I didn't know what the fuck it was. And so, um, my buddy, Nick, he, he actually killed himself not too long ago. Um, he was with me as well. And he's like, we're holding his fucking shirt up and it says like raid team on it and it's got fucking skeletons on it. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like normally when you see this type of stuff it's like not good. So, right. um, We try to track it down. So we went on like social media. Um, We went on social media, try to look for it. I didn't really have social media at that point in time. I didn't know how to navigate it, but I had like, you know, I still had Facebook. I had like an Instagram page that I didn't really do too much shit on. Um, But we started looking it up and like we typed in like rate team and, and the, the search browser on Google. So the website popped up. Well, on the website at the bottom, there's like like a little connection that you can look at Instagram on. it. So we go to the Instagram and we look at the shit and we're just like, what the fuck is this? Is this like some contractors or something crazy. Like, what is raid team? So I ended up sending a message to one of the guys who own the company. Um, and I said, hey, you know, my brother had his your stuff in his locker. I don't really know what this is, but I just want to let you know that uh, DW died. And he's like, "Oh yeah, that that's fucked up like i I kind of talked to him a couple of times, um and I said, "Yeah, well, he's dead, so i I don't really know what you guys are doing, but like you know, you guys have some cool clothes, so like how how can I buy some um and d w had actually bought a shirt from them that was uh it was like a it, it said death before daylight." um, on it. And that was the first shirt that I saw. So I'm like looking at this shirt and I'm just like, this sounds fucking gnarly. And then they ended up doing another, um, they were doing a collaboration with another company. So I like bought that shit and then it never came to me. So I ended up, um, asking them, you know, where's my order, you know, the normal shit asking where, you know, where my order was. And they said they were going to give me a refund because they were shutting the company down. I said, you know, why are you guys shutting the company down? Um, They said they were having some issues. So I said, you know, okay, well, I'll buy it if you guys are thinking of getting rid of it. And they told me no the first time. And then one of the owners came back and was like, hey, we'll sell it to you. Um, So I bought it. I kept him on for a long time just because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Um, He showed me how to, you know, do mock-ups, T-shirts. He taught me how to, like, kind of post shit on Instagram how to set the store up. Like it was a bunch of shit that he taught me how to do. And I was paying him to stay on. Um, And then he since moved on because he became a cop. So it's, it's, it's been a long road, man. It's definitely been a long road. Yeah. But that's, that's originally how I learned what Ray team was, was through DW and um, him having the, the Ray team stuff in his locker.
0: Okay. And you bring a lot of your, your personal experiences and kind of, trains of thought into raid team so what does what does raid team stand for now
1: it's an ideal like it's 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 an it's an idea um dw was a dude that would have gave you the shirt off his back but he also would have fucking smoked you if you did something dirty to him Mm -hmm. you know and he was always like that guy that was like get the fuck up like hurry up like you got, you know, three more days on this fucking rotation. Like, dude, just suck it the fuck up. Like, he was just a really, like, strong dude. Like, he, he taught me a lot of shit. He got me working through a lot of shit because I actually was going through a divorce. And I lost all of my fucking, like, all of my uniforms from, like, my deployments. I lost my war trophies. I lost everything from my life within that divorce um and he just walked me through it because I was ready to kill something when I came back yeah. you know because I, I came back and I you know tried to get into my pad and I couldn't get in like the fucking locks were changed um and it, it really fucked with me because I was like this period of my life that was so fucked up like I've just lost every picture every everything from this and it just – I went through a very dark, dark time, um, and he worked me through it. You know, I went on a couple of – a couple of field trips with him. I like to call them field trips. Yeah. Um, and we we made it back from him, you know. Um, and, and Ray Team is him in a way. Ray Team is me. Um, and I'm just a dude. I, I believe that mental health is important. And I kind of really started – like hammering mental health. Um, I was actually still the owner of Ray team and I was still doing some civilian shit. And um, my buddy Nick killed himself. Mm-hmm. And the story of how he killed himself was super fucking weird. I'm not even going to get into it. But long story short, my sidearm that I was carrying for the shit that we were doing, he stole it. And as we were taking him to the airport, he didn't catch his flight. He checked himself into a hotel next to the airport and he blew his brains out. And I remember talking to him, like telling him like, Hey dude, like don't be a dickhead. Like actually pick us up from the airport when we get out of here, you know, just we'll have drinks, whatever, do the same shit that we were doing before. And he's like, yeah, dude, I love you. I'll see you when you get back. And he had every he knew that he was going to kill himself like he knew that yeah. because he wouldn't have taken the gun you know from my hotel room and i mean he didn't talk to anybody he was one of those dudes that like kept it all internal and it's funny because we used to call him Zeus because his mom was actually struck by fucking lightning like as he like before he was born like it was like the same time like she was going to the hospital Yeah, and she was struck by lightning, and like somehow she still fucking had him. Um, so he had like very distinctive, like he had these veins all over his body that were just dead, and he looked like some like it was weird because looking at him, I mean, the dude was a fucking stud, like the Adonis body. Yes, I mean it, it was it was crazy, but like his only flaw that he saw in himself was those dead veins interesting where you know whatever happened to you know his internal system but um i mean he used to talk to me all the time and he was like dude i'm fucking tired and i used to always tell him like dude just fucking suck it the fuck up we just made you know seventy thousand dollars in the course of a couple months like go fucking home fuck whoever you want to fuck come back and let's do this shit again and i didn't realize what he was saying when he was saying like i'm fucking tired like yeah you know so i pushed him um and he killed himself so so that's why um i really push fucking mental health because i remember being called by my boss and saying like, Hey, where's your fucking strap at? And I said, like, it's in my room. Like I'm on the way back right now. And, uh, he said, no, like, where the fuck is your gun? And I said, it, it's it's in my room. Like it's in my bag. He's like, you sure? I mean, my boss already knew what the fuck was going on. And he's like, no, it's not. He's like, Nick just fucking killed himself with it. and. I just remember stopping on the fucking highway, like just breaking down and, you know, not too long ago, maybe a year ago, two years ago, um, I was in that very same spot and my therapist was talking to me about shit, but It wasn't anything like she just listened. She was, she's like my, like my pillow, Mm -hmm. you know, where I need to like talk to, but like when it comes down to having that feedback of like, like real shit, like you did this to yourself, like the, the choices that you made are why you're here. So you can, you need to learn how to deal with those, you know, those decisions that you made. Right. You know, that's, that's how people have to talk to me for me to learn shit. My therapist wasn't doing that. You know, God bless her. I still talk to her, but she doesn't do that. She's not for it. And, um, and so I was sitting, I, I needed help. Like I was going through, you know, my civilian side work was definitely a lot more kinetic than Afghanistan and Iraq put together. It was, it was way more kinetic. Um, and we were going up against evil, like absolute fucking evil. Yeah. Um, I mean, I came back from a rotation and I started drinking and it's like this fucking rundown hotel in L.A. Don't even know why I was over there, but I mean, I could have stayed in whatever the fucking Ritz if I wanted to. At that time, I just stayed in this fucking rundown, like crack infested fucking place. And I had all my guns with me. I didn't know if I was like trying to go to this area because like subconsciously I knew that something was going to happen and I was going to get into some type of conflict. But I ended up in this fucking hotel room. And I just drank and drank and drank and drank. And um, I got into it with a guy. He uh, he was walking past me. And I was sitting out in this fucking chair and he, he like bumped into me as he was walking and I was sauced up, you know, I was fucking, I was drunk and I remember like getting up and just trying to go at it with this dude. And I was telling him like, I'll fucking kill you. Like it it was, it was, I was telling him that I was like, and I'll drag you in this fucking room and I'll do like some weird shit to you. Like I told him that and he was just a normal dude like normal guy that was walking past me that kind of like bumped into me like a normal fucking bump into you. But like at that time I was fucking so amped up and he was like, you need fucking help, dude. You need fucking help. And you know, I was yelling fucking fuck you and whatever else. And I'll fucking kill you some more and shit like that. And um, I, I realized like, that's not me. Like I've never been like somebody that'll tell you that I'll kill you. Like I just, I I wouldn't say something like that. Yeah. Um, so the next day I ended up going to the VA and I was like, this is it. Like I need fucking help. Um, I talked to one of the, I guess, physicians or whatever the fuck you want to call them. And the first thing they did was like, oh, well, what type of medications do you think would help you? I'm like, I just need to talk to somebody like my normal therapist is on vacation right now and I need to fucking tell somebody what's going on. they were like, okay, well, we'll, you know, we'll set you up an appointment to go talk to a therapist, you know, but at this time we just need to, you know, get you an intake and all this other shit. So I'm just like, what the fuck? And another guy comes in, starts talking to me. He's like, all right. Um, so I just talked to uh, your physician and we're going to try to get you on a fuck it was i forgot what it was i still have the bottles like i keep them for keepsake um they gave me these fucking pills and the whole time i'm thinking to myself like i just need to tell somebody what the fuck is going on before i like i kill myself or i kill somebody else and they didn't do shit they didn't they didn't help me out at all so i ended up going back to my truck and i didn't write a letter i didn't do any of that i put a gun in my mouth And, um, I was going to kill myself in the parking lot of the VA and something told me like, it was a voice like clear as day. Like I'm talking to you right now. And they're like, that voice told me if they couldn't kill you over there, why would you kill yourself here? Mm -hmm. Don't know what the fuck voice it was. Like, don't know anything. I just know that I heard that voice. Like if they couldn't kill you over there, why would you kill yourself here? And as I was going through my head, I'm just like, fucking, I've been to some bad places and whatever this spirit or whatever the fuck it is, that that's, that's, that's what this is. Like, it's telling me like, don't fucking don't do this. Um, and then right after that, I got the Jolly Raid on my hand Mm -hmm. and that was like, my, like, this is, this is what I'm doing now. Like, I'm going to start pushing this mental health shit, like, to the utmost. Because, I mean, at that point, we already had, like, I think it was, like, 10,000 or 15,000 followers or some shit like that. And guys were, like, actually, like, following us and talking to us and shit like that. So, I was just, like, if I feel like this, there's a million other people in this fucking world that feel the same way. Yeah. You know, not just service members, but, like, civilians as well. Like, everybody goes through the same shit. It's just it's a different part of the video game, you know? Um, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's what it is now. It's, it's just, it's, um, it's me being able to say like every day that you wake up, as long as you wake up, like that's, that's good enough. You know, the decisions that you choose to make in your life, they can either make or break you. And if you don't pay attention to the shit that you do, it could realistically destroy your fucking life. Yeah. Um, And I don't think enough people actually realize that. And with us having this following, I mean, who would I be to just let people do shit, you know, kill themselves and just do like at-risk shit and not say anything about it? Yeah. Um, I also think me being able to talk to people about the things that I went through and it come from somebody that they don't know, maybe they may take it as like, okay, well, this guy can't judge me because he doesn't fucking know who I am, you know, but at least putting that message out there that like, okay, this fucking dude's a normal person. He's yeah. not an influencer. He's not like somebody that is so high that he doesn't want to listen to, you know, just normal people. So, um, that's pretty much where we at with this company right now.
0: Yeah, I like it because I've seen a lot lately. You guys are, you guys are pushing the check on your buddies and the mental health and finding different ways to handle your shit. Which yeah, that's,
1: that's that's always been, that's always been super important, man. Because the checking on your homies, like ninety percent of the time, like when I was in charge of guys, they always got in trouble. Fucking Sunday night, <laughs> like Friday when you got off fucking work, like you weren't in trouble, like you got in trouble Sunday night, like right before you were ready to go back to work. Yeah. Like that's when we got the DUIs. That's when we got the fucking dudes that like were beating their wives the Monday before they had to go to work. Like it was always just like weird shit would happen on Sunday. So, I mean, it went from like check on your homies on Sunday. to like check on your homies every fucking day. Mm-hmm. Like even if you're not a fucking service member, like check on you, you know, the people that are next to you and then check on yourself. Um, cause I think it's, it's one of those subjects that's looked over, yeah, especially in this community and just in, in the community period, you know, civilians as well. There's not enough people that are willing to like bring that up because it's too taboo.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So what advice do you have for people that, you know, maybe that need to break out of the taboo and, and start checking on their buddies and kind of tackling their own sure
1: You're not going to do it. Yeah. You know, that's. You're going to do it or you're not. I mean, my my life check on your homies started early in life, you know, because it was, um. I mean, game banging and doing shit like that. That's, you're very close to the guys that you are with, yeah. you know, even though I could have snitched on that guy when I was, you know, fucking 15 years old, I could have got reduced time and I chose not to. So it's like, it started out early for me. Just because of the groups that I chose to like gravitate towards, and I mean, it's it's like if you don't check on your dudes or or females, you know, I say dude and dudettes. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't, I mean, you're you're literally responsible for that. I don't fucking care what anybody says. Like a lot of people try to pass the buck on like people that commit suicide, and it's like you're either a bystander bystander is somebody that just fucking sits there and knows about the shit and takes out their phone. You know, they're like, they, they don't, they don't answer the calls. They don't reach out. Um, and then there's your fucking first, there's your first responder. And your first responder is that guy that sees that, like that guy posting the weird shit on his story or posting the weird shit on his Instagram. And he like calls the guy like, hey, dude, you straight or are you just having one of those like you're just posting this artistic dark shit because you want to. Like, <laughs> you know, There's there's telltale signs. And I mean, I stay up so late at night because. One, I don't sleep and two, I go through a lot of people's profiles and I look at their fucking stories, even if I don't want to look at some of them, I just click, 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 click through them and I'm looking for that at risk shit because it's there. Yeah. It's there and it's usually at night. Like you can tell if somebody's really having a rough time by the shit that they put in their story.
0: Have you noticed it when you uh so if you see that and you respond to it, are people pretty receptive to to talking to you?
1: A lot of them. Yeah. I've never had somebody tell me to fuck off, and I've never I've never had anybody ignore it.
0: When you reach out, how do you do it? Is it just like as easy as yo, know, you straight? You good?
1: No, it usually like. Like there was one guy um just just for an example, he was posting a bunch of like hanging photo photos, mm-hmm. and I like went back to his actual profile and on his profile, it doesn't fit that demographic, sure, and so I'm seeing this shit, and I like hit him up I'm like, hey, what's up dude and um he like looked at it, I saw that it's it said scene and then he didn't say shit. And then I saw, like, I saw him send a message, but then, like, it, like, poof away mm-hmm. or whatever because I think he deleted it. And then he started typing again. And I was like, hey, dude, like, I'm just checking to see if you're good. And then he just fucking let it, like, let it all go. And he started talking to me about shit. Um, and, uh, I mean, we've, we've had dudes call us. Like, I put my personal cell phone number up there today um, we've had guys that are like, Hey, if you don't talk to me right now, I'm going to kill myself. And I'm like, are you going to kill yourself? Or like, you're just saying that he's like, no, I got a gun right now. And I was, uh, I was with my son and I like took him to his grandmother's house. I was just like, Hey, like I get it. It's my day, but you need to watch him for me. And, um, I mean, I talked to that dude for like three hours. Yeah. Still check on him today. He's doing good. Um. I, I'd rather not be a bystander. Even if I got to bother the fuck out of you, yeah. I'd rather do that than not do it because, I mean, you knew about it.
0: Yeah. When – I've got a, I've got a question that I, I might have a hard time asking. So, when you when you get a hold of somebody that is on the edge, how do you uh, how do you handle that? Right? Because I know that those situations are not easy and they're very hard to navigate. So, let's say you know, let's say I've got a buddy that I reach out to they're in a really shitty spot. How do you typically have those conversations with people to kind of, I guess, alleviate the situation?
1: Talk to them like normal people. Yeah. You know, I mean. People are more likely to listen to somebody with a story. Yeah. I mean, that's just. Like my therapist, I talk to her. She's like, like I said, she's my pillow, but her giving me any life advice. I mean, she can because she's I mean, she's been a civilian longer than I have, but. I mean, a lot of people nowadays want to listen to people that have scars. Yeah. If you don't have them, then they, you know, they kind of like cash you off. Um, I mean, for one, I asked, you know, have you been drinking? Because when I asked that question based off of like, if you've been drinking or smoking or whatever, because at that time I know where I need to navigate this conversation. So I'm just like, Hey, um, you know, how long have you been drinking? And they usually say, oh, I've been getting fucked up all day. And I'm just like, oh, I should have had a drink today too. But I fucking been working or something like that. (laughs) And then I kind of like smooth it in there to where, you know, the next question I ask like, are you having an issue with just life? Is this because like you lost your job? So-and-so fuck somebody else. Like, what is the cause of this? And also with like them, you know, wanting to kill themselves because of a female or relationship, you also have to understand how to navigate that conversation as well. Because it's another, it's another poison, you know? So me telling a guy, Oh, well, there's plenty of fucking other fish in the sea. That's the wrong shit to say, because it's like that person that fucked them over was their fish. Yeah. That's how they look at it. You know, that job was the job that they had. So it's not as easy as saying, oh, well, you were finding another job and, you know, they didn't appreciate you and shit like that. Like, that's not because then the question comes, well, why didn't they appreciate me? Yeah. And I don't have the answer for that. Um, I often tell people, you know, if, if it's something like, you know, I cheated on my wife and she found out and now she wants to divorce me. It's like, well, then you fucking caused it. Like, yeah, I don't baby people when it comes down to that type of shit. Um, you know, I'm getting out of the military and I don't know where the fuck I'm supposed to go after this. Like, were you a man before the Marine Corps? Yes, it was. Okay, well, then you're a man now. Like, let's try to figure out how to make this transition a lot better than you, like, trying to kill yourself because you don't know where the fuck you're going to go after this. Like, right. it's it's just, <clears throat> I'm very blunt, man. I don't put any punctuation in any of my fucking posts. <laughs> I, can't. It's just, I mean, I'm very matter of fact. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that's how I talk to people. And, you know, if I have to take, you know, kind of the softer approach, I will. But tough love has always been people respond to that and they respond to it well, because it's like, okay, a lot of people think that I'm telling them something that they don't fucking know. But I'm just like, no, you already know this shit. I'm not telling you anything. Ninety percent of these fucking so-called influencers and like positive fucking vet pages, they're not telling anybody anything that they don't know. They're just, you're telling them things that it's like the sidekicks that you call on the fucking phone, you know, and they say, oh yeah, there's a woman in your life that loves you very much. Well, if you're fucking around with like multiple women, you know, then obviously one of them does. And then if you're fucking around with one, then obviously she fucking loves you. So it's like, and then they're like, oh, well you have this job that like is, is, uh, working very well for you. You know, there's going to be some, some, uh, some chaos, you know, here soon, but you're gonna get through it. Okay, motherfucker. Yeah, you're gonna get through it. Like you're either you're going to or you're not. So it's it's like that, like it's the baiting bullshit. Right. Instead of actually talking to people and letting them know, like, no, if you do this, you will fucking die. <laughs> like <laughs> you, know, if you drink every fucking day, you're gonna like get a DUI, like that type of shit. Like, I'm not I'm not here to baby people, man.
0: Yeah, I like it. All right, Kaz. What Snake else? Snake
1: we- oil salesman. That's what it's called. What's that? Snake oil salesman.
0: Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that quite a bit. It's heavy stuff, man. That's this. That's the type of conversation that I, I appreciate. You know, I, I like this with with the the kind of approach of the podcast is telling the story, right? So we kind of get the background because it kind of to your point builds the validity of you've got scars, right? So what you're yeah. telling me comes from what you've learned. And that's, that to me is what's important, right? It is getting yeah. how you got to the knowledge, the points that you've got, especially checking in on your homies, right? Like that's, that's important and being able to talk to them like people, because when people are in really bad spots, especially like, like somebody, like if I were to call a buddy and they were to tell me they were in a really shitty spot, you know, it's, it's really easy to be like, hesitant towards that but that's not what you need right you need to go fucking full force and be like all right i'll be at your house in five right get your shit we're going to the gym or fucking all right cool i haven't drank in two years but if that's what we need tonight fucking we'll drink tonight you know so that's cool man. yeah
1: i mean if you need to fight then we'll both yeah. go to the hospital and then we'll be fine <laughs> tomorrow you know stitches.
0: stitches dude it's fucking fine we'll, we'll get over it
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the approach that people should take. I mean, it's, it's not, I'm not just here for the veteran community. You know, I'm here for everybody because I mean, I'm a fucking human being and I think that all of us operate on different frequencies. We all do like different channels and some channels, you know, it's just like those dialing TVs that you fucking turn. Like you got the needle nose pliers. And sometimes when you fucking like turn it this way, it picks up a channel yep. and then sometimes when you turn it this way, it picks up a channel and then like you get it just right. And then you can see like the, you know, the actual image, like that's you're just tapping into different people's channels, man. That's all it is Yeah. that you got to yeah. start moving the, the you know, the, the bunny ears to even get to that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. Was well, there anything that we're missing? Anything you want to talk about that you feel?
1: No, not really, man. Just, just know that you're fucking con like your choices have consequences. And I mean, what you do in your past does sometimes define who you are in the current. Like I've, I've started seeing this, like your past doesn't define you, but if it's a repeated behavior or a repeated lifestyle, it does define who the fuck you are. So that's not, that's, it's bullshit. Yeah. Um, Check on your homies, check on yourself, check on the people that you may have had beefs with. Because even though that motherfucker hates you, he still needs somebody to talk to at the end of the day. You know, so um it's funny because I actually recently talked to a guy that hates my guts. I was like, all right, dude, hey, here's my number if you need to talk to me. And he's just like, I'll never talk to you ever. And I was like, All right, cool, dude, like whatever. But my number's still there, so if he needs to go back, he can always look at it. But yeah, we hate each other. So
0: <laughs> be the big person. Yeah. Well, I hope you all enjoyed today's conversation with Cas. I feel like I learned a whole heck of a lot from him today, uh, namely around um, how to actively reach out to people and uh, identify some of those risky uh, risky behaviors or at-risk behaviors, and being able to have some pretty candid conversations around um, their well-being. And uh, and playing an active role in their lives. So I hope you all feel that you took a, some information away from him and understand that you know people out there do care about you, your well-being, and uh, you know being able to uh, be proactive or, or at least be an active participant in making sure that people are are on the right track and taking care of themselves, and and uh, how important it is that you um, take the initiative in some way, shape, or form to uh, ensure that your buddies around are are doing okay. So I hope you all know that people are are out there; they do care, and uh, they want to see. Some Succeed, be healthy, and happy. So, um, I hope you all feel empowered in some way, shape, or form to to take those those steps to, to engage with people. Um, and if you need somebody, feel free to reach out to either myself. I know Kaz has been extremely active online in getting engaged with people and making sure that they're they're doing well. Um, but beyond that, I hope you all have a great week, and uh, we'll catch you next time.